friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. I want to talk to you today one-on-one because I just did a series of interview podcasts and I wanted to slip in a one-on-one episode before I release my next interview podcast. Sort of a quick life update that is completely and totally related to this podcast episode is that my parents are currently considering moving. And they're kind of making a pros and cons list about whether they should stay in the home that they've lived in for the past 30 plus years, or whether it's time to move on and find a retirement home someplace else. And I can tell this is a really difficult decision for them. You know, they are a couple that doesn't really embrace change. They don't like it. They've lived in the same home since I was four years old. And they've developed a great community of friends, and they're very close to all of their neighbors. My dad volunteers at his church every week. And for them to even be considering moving is a pretty big deal. If you know them, you know it's a very big deal for them to even entertain this thought. Yet what's coming up for me is just the interesting conversations I'm having with my mom every day. Because my mom and I, we talk a lot. And she's constantly updating me on how she's feeling about this and what she's currently thinking and whether she's leaning towards staying one day and leaving the next. And talking to my mom about this every day has really reminded me of the time in my life when I just had the toughest time making a decision. I was 18 or 19 years old and I had a lot of decisions laid out in front of me. I had to decide what college I would go to. I had to declare a major, and at that time I had had a boyfriend for about four years, basically all of high school, and I was trying to figure out if we should stay together or we should break up and branch out, and I just remember feeling like, man, I wish I really had a life coach or someone that could help me understand what the right thing to do for me is because I don't know how to make these decisions. And so today, what I really want to do with this podcast episode is talk to anyone who might be struggling to make a decision. This is the podcast that I would have wanted when trying to discover what college to go to, when trying to decide if I should stay with my boyfriend or break up with him, when deciding what major to declare, and even the time in my life when I couldn't decide if I was ready to move or not. Now, in this episode, I'm going to lay out specific concrete tips to take in order to find your decision. If you get to the end of this episode and you've done the inspired action steps and you still can't make a decision, you might be struggling with something called inner conflict. 
Inner conflict arises when part of the time we want one thing and part of the time we want another thing. So this is a different problem than I'm not sure what decision I should make and I need to really weigh out the pros and cons of my decision. Inner conflict is more like, man, one day I wake up and I'm convinced that I'm moving and I'm sure of myself and I'm going to move. And then the next day I am absolutely positive that I'm not moving. I'm staying where I am. And it's this internal battle between sometimes I'm convinced, I'm absolutely convinced that one path is right. And other times I'm absolutely convinced that the other path is right for me. I'm describing inner conflict. You'll know when you have inner conflict because this might be a struggle to make a decision that goes on for years. This isn't like, you know, within the next couple months I need to decide if if I'm going to move or not. This is like for years of my life, part of me loves my job and part of me hates my job and I can't decide what to do and it's been years of this. If you're describing your struggle to make a decision as part of me wants this and part of me wants that, then I'm going to recommend that you go back to a podcast episode that I did called Feeling Conflicted, and that is number 51. So just go back to podcast episode number 51 because that episode is more geared towards people who are struggling with inner conflict. Whereas today is just simply, I need guidance, I need tools, I need understanding to know what to think about, what to look at, how to navigate this decision making, and then I will have a decision. So I want to take it back to the time in my life when I wanted to go to college, but I just wasn't sure where to go. That's not an inner conflict. It wasn't like part of me really wants to go to college and part of me really wants to get a job and not go to college. That would be inner conflict. I don't know where to go to school. I don't know which school would be the right fit for me. That's just trouble making a decision and being young and not really knowing myself and not really knowing what I was looking for in a college. And so if I had had a podcast that laid out concrete tips for decision making where I could sit down with my journal and my pen and follow along and take notes and do the inspired action and then come to a conclusion, I would be like, wow, I had a step-by-step process for making this decision. I know it's the right decision for me now. I feel confident in that because someone was guiding me through the how to make a decision. And now I feel confident in my choice. So that's what I want for you today. I want you to feel like you have a step-by-step process for helping you calculate a decision and then doing the calculations and going, this is it. This is my answer. I'm sure of it. So the first step is simple in theory. And that is to understand myself and know thyself. Now I know what you're thinking, how do I know myself? (laughs) And in what context? And in what mood am I in? And it depends on, you know, the week of the month. And it depends on all these factors. I don't really know myself. Is there truly a formula for knowing myself and knowing what the right decision for me is? And the answer to that is, of course. Otherwise, I wouldn't have brought it up. There is a process for knowing yourself and specifically in knowing yourself in every context of your life. But first, before we talk about all of the different facets and possibilities of who you are in each different scenario and each different context of your life, 
I want to first just look at an overview, a general sense of who you are. And this is very easy to do. It's a process called values elicitation. And values are the things that we hold near and dear. These vary from person to person. So where one person might be looking for a career based solely on money, and that is their highest value, and hey, no judgment, that's, that's important to them. Another person might be looking for a job that has more intrinsic value to them. They, they feel they have purpose every day. Now, is there a right or a wrong? No, there's no right or wrong. And probably both are going to be important to most people. Yet when we elicit values, we will be able to see the order of importance. The order of importance is completely unconscious until we do a values elicitation and we can consciously see on paper, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I valued money more than I valued intrinsic value in the workplace. But that makes sense given my history of always going for high paying jobs. Now I understand myself and now I understand my behavior. Okay, so what you'll do to elicit your life values, because remember I said we can do this in every context of life. I could ask you, hey, what are your values when it comes to your career? What are your values when it comes to your home that you're looking for? What are the values that you bring to your health and fitness? We're not talking about these different facets or these different contexts of life. Instead, I want to chunk up to you as a whole, your whole life. So just what do you value in life? Now, remember, values are unconscious, which means we might consciously judge which value is quote unquote better or more altruistic or more in alignment with our spiritual beliefs or something like that. But remember that these values dictate our unconscious behavior. So it's not what I say is important to me. It's what I unconsciously prove is important to me day after day. Example, if I'm someone that says, oh, health and fitness is super important, and yet I don't spend any time in my life dedicated to health and fitness, then the idea of health and fitness feels like something that I should prioritize, but it's not an actual unconscious value because if it was, I would be working out. It would just be a motivator to me unconsciously. So I hope that helps. All of that to say, I'm going to support you in doing a quick life values elicitation right now. All you need to do is you need to grab a piece of paper and a pen. And at the very top of your paper, you're going to write life values. So you can just pause the podcast if you need a second to do that. Or if you're going to do this later, that's fine. You're just going to rewind to this exact spot. So just take a mental note of where you're at right now in the podcast. Okay, so what you're going to do is... You're just going to answer this one question. It's really simple. What is important to me about life? You're just going to answer with the first word that pops up into your brain. So a value is a one word answer. It's not an attitude or a belief, which would be more of a paragraph or a statement or some sort of paper or essay. You're just writing one word answer. So ooh, what's important to me about life? And an example might be fun family, faith, energy, television, just whatever it is that you enjoy about life, you're just going to make a list. And these are called values. What's important to me about life? Go until you have nothing left to say. And then ask yourself the question again, 
you're going to ask yourself the question three times. What's important to me about life? Da, 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 da. What else is important to me about life? Da, 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 da. What else is important to me about life? Da, 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 da. Okay, now you have your list of life values, but we're not done yet because they're just in kind of a random order of whatever words popped into your brain. So remember I said that it's very helpful if you know the order, the unconscious order of what's important to you. So that's what we're going to do next. Now, when you're looking at your paper, please remember it's not what you consciously think is best or better. You just want to unconsciously do this exercise as fast as you possibly can. If you can do it really, really fast, you'll block out your conscious thoughts and judgments about these different values and you'll just really be able to tap into your true unconscious behaviors because remember, values drive our behaviors. So I want you to just be as honest and authentic and real as possible and go fast, fast, fast. You're going to look at your list of values and you're going to rewrite them in order. You might have four values, you might have 20, you might have 30. There's no right or wrong answer. But however many you have, you're just going to rewrite them as fast as you possibly can in order. So just scan your list and be like, oh, yep, that's the first, that's the second, that's the third. Ready, go. Okay, once you have your list, you're going to come back. And I just want you looking at your list. It's in order now. And if it's in the correct order, this is what should happen. If you read it bottom to top, you'll just be like, mm, I mean, I, that's an okay life, I guess. Yet if you read it top to bottom, you'll have this internal feeling, this gut reaction of like, oh, yes, like that sounds like a fantastic life. I want that. So I will read my list. Now, I'm not reading this because I think, you know, I have the right answers and we're doing a comparison game right now. It's not. In fact, I'm noticing there are not values on here that in my logic brain, I'm like, hmm, I should probably have that other thing on here that's not. But again, there's no judgment. This is just our unconscious values. And one thing you should know about values is that they change. They change based on things that we go through, things that grow us, adapt us. They change when we go through trial. They change when we go through different phases of life. They change when we heal. They change per season that we're in right now. I'm in a completely new season of being a mom and some of the things that I used to value just didn't make the list. And that's okay. There's no judgment. It's just the season of life that I'm in right now. Okay, so here's my list. It's in order. What's important to me about life? Number one, God. Number two, family. Number three, friends. Number four, being an entrepreneur. Number five, coaching. Number six, love. Number seven, teaching. Number eight, games. Number nine, fun. Number 10, prayer. Number 11, travel. Number 12, humor slash comedy. Number 13, fitness. And number 14, walking and hiking. Now I stopped there because really when you know your top 10 values, you know your unconscious behavior. If I kept going and I was like, well, I also enjoy reading books. I also enjoy listening to podcasts. I enjoy watching movies. I enjoy going to the movies. I enjoy speaking in public. I enjoy acting on stage. I enjoy ice skating. All of these things are true. And if they had been more important to me, they would have made the list. 
but they didn't make my list of my top 20, so I'm not going to overthink it and I'm not going to worry about it. Here's the time that you might be like, hmm, maybe I want to do something about this. If there's something that's not on your list that you really feel should be in order for you to be living your best life, okay? Like I'll give you, I'll just be real. It kind of surprised me after making this list that wealth wasn't on my list of values. Like it didn't make the cut. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like money and wealth creation is something that comes up for me if we were to say do career values, but it didn't even make my list of life values. So if I wanted to go through a season where I was making more money and focused on money creation, what I would want to do is I would want to go to a master certified NLP coach and say, can you install money creation into my unconscious values? And a master NLP coach will absolutely know how to do that. They should. If they've been certified in the master level, they'll say, oh yeah, I know how to do that. I can install a value for you. Because remember, your brain is plastic and there's neural connections in there. So a master NLP coach can absolutely add a new neural connection, creating a value that wasn't there before. I know that might sound a little bizarre, but it works all the time. Also, the thing to note about values is that we unconsciously, all of our behavior derives from about the top six values. So if you're noticing that, gosh, you're just not making time for that fitness routine, it's probably not in your top six. And if you really wanted to make it in your top six values, you could go to a master NLP coach and say, add fitness or move it from the bottom to closer to the top. And an NLP coach can do that for you. So they can change your values and reorder them, unconsciously install them into the brain so that your behaviors manifest in the way that you want them to. All unconscious behavior stems from unconscious values. So now that you know that, now you really can understand yourself and you can understand where these different life decisions would fit into your list of values. How is it going to interrupt your values? How is it going to add to your values? How is it going to subtract from your values? I'll give you an example. I really quickly did my career values because I want to explain a career that would be a good fit for me versus a career that would be not a good fit for me. Okay, so here's my career values and I put them in order. Teaching, mentoring, coaching, money, autonomy, self-driven, Flexibility, structure, fun, serves God, serves others, serves my family. Collaboration. Well, it makes sense to me why I went the traditional education route and got my bachelor's and got a teaching credential and went into the classroom. So you can see in these career values why I would go into teaching in education because teaching is my number one value. I also have on there mentoring in like my top five I've got autonomy, which exists in the classroom to some degree, right? You can pretty much create your lesson plans. You're in there by yourself with a bunch of kids. You don't really have a manager standing over you. It's self-driven. There's a lot of structure, though. And you'll notice in my list of values, flexibility came in front of structure. I had teaching, mentoring, coaching, money, autonomy, self-driven, flexibility, then structure. 
So the one thing that, and well, also, hello, money was my number four value. So money was out of alignment with me being a teacher, with the amount of money that I wanted to make that just wasn't in alignment. And then also the flexibility wasn't there. Well, think about that for a second. If unconsciously flexibility is more important to me than structure, then being a teacher is probably not in alignment with that flexibility value. In fact, it isn't. A teacher's day is very planned out, minute by minute. It is the most structured environment you could possibly be in, where there are bells ringing every hour to dictate what happens next. Well, for somebody who really values flexibility, that's going to feel stifling. That's going to feel like entrapment. For somebody else who values structure and likes things that predictable, they're going to thrive in that environment. Somebody who likes to be loosey-goosey and do things when they feel like doing things, that's not going to be a conducive environment for that. So why does this matter? Why is this important? Because you can look at your list of values now and then determine if a decision in your life is going to bring you closer to those values and bring you more of them or if it's going to pull you away from those values and give you less of them. Here's why I desperately wish I had done this while trying to make a decision for my life about college and about my boyfriend and about my major. If I would have done this list of values back then, it would probably have looked different, although I can almost guarantee that the top three would have been the same. God, family, and friends would have probably still been my top three values 20 years ago. The thing that I allowed to dictate where I was going to go to college, oh man, I'm going to tell you what it was. Please, no judgment here, okay? This is the thing that I based my entire college experience upon. Which college would be pretty close to an ice skating rink? I was looking for a college that would allow me to continue to ice skate. Now, there's nothing wrong with this, but I'm also going to lay out the other factors that were included in this decision. So that was basically the number one factor. The number two factor was, at the time, I really felt it was important for me to stay in the state of California for two reasons. Number one, I thought that it just makes more sense financially because of, I'm going to be paying an in-state tuition versus an out-of-state tuition. So that's A. And B, I was playing around with the idea of getting a teaching credential at the time. And I knew California has probably the highest standards for getting a teaching credential. So I just figured if I get my teaching credential in California, I can always go to another state later in my life and, and just do less work to get another credential later. But if I go out of state and get a four-year degree and continue at that state and get a teaching credential then it's going to be a lot harder to come back to California and jump through all of the California hoops to change my teaching credential from one state to the California state teaching credential. So I was thinking like five years ahead, like if I get this credential and then moving back to California is going to be a bummer. So I want to find a college that's in the state of California that's near an ice skating rink. This is the way I made my decision. Now, logically, that doesn't seem like a bad way to make a decision. I mean, I had reasons why it seemed like a good idea at the time. However, 
This is what happened. I decided to go to San Diego State University. Why? Because I could walk to the ice skating rink. I literally could walk. There was an ice skating rink like two miles away where I could just put my skates in a backpack on my back and literally walk, train for a few hours before class, walk back and go to class. So for that one reason, going to this school was a good idea. However, it didn't match my top three values of God, family, and friends. I lived at the time in Sacramento, and this was like a nine-hour drive for me. So I'm a nine-hour drive now away from my family, away from my friends, away from my church, away from my community. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, college students should stay near their family. That is not the value statement that I'm making. I'm saying for me, because family is my top two value, it was really hard for me to be that far away from my family. I grew up in a family, a very large extended family, where we saw each other, my whole entire shebang, my whole entire extended family saw each other every single weekend. We were very close. And I hadn't thought through how being that far away would be so extremely hard for me. I had never even heard of a values list before. I was making my decision based solely on logic and reasons that seemed like they were smart, but ultimately they weren't in alignment with my values. If I would have made my values list, I would have seen, oh, skating is on there. It's on there, but it's like, you know, value number 10 in the scheme of my entire life. I probably shouldn't base this really big life decision on value number 10. I probably should make this decision based on values one, two, three, and four. And that's how I make all of my decisions now. I don't use logic and reasons and this and that and the future and overthinking everything. I just don't bother with that. It's just, oh my gosh, that's just such a waste of time. And it's so stressful to try to make decisions like that. I sit down, I make a list of values, and then I say, based on these unconscious values of what is important in my brain, unconsciously, what does this decision do for me? Does it bring me closer to these values or further away? Now, there's an open question here that you may or may not have thought of. So I'm just going to state it openly, which is, well, Rachel, if, if family is still your number two value, why did you move so far away from them very recently? Like you moved to a different state, but this entire podcast is how moving so far away from your family earlier in life wasn't a good decision. And now it seems like it is a good decision because my definition of family has changed. Before, when I was 18 years old, my definition of family was my intermediate family, my extended family. It was that huge family that I saw every single weekend. That was my number two value. But now my definition of family is my husband and my son. So moving for them was the reason that we moved out of state. I moved for them. I moved to have a better life for my son and a less stressful life for my husband. So see, these values, they encompass a lot. If you were to sit down and write down the definition of each word, you would have even more information. But that's a 
maybe a separate issue. So I just wanted to explain why moving in my past was not a good decision for me, but moving now is a good decision for me. Even though my top three values look the same, it's because the definitions of those values have changed. So that very long-winded explanation was tip number one (laughs) of a podcast that was supposed to be multi-tipped and multi-steps to helping you make a decision. Yet, if you can understand tip number one, it's probably the most important thing that you can take with you for every single thing that you do in your life. Your unconscious values dictate everything. They dictate your thoughts. They dictate your words. They dictate your actions. They dictate the kind of conflicts you're going to get into. So if you understand your values, you understand almost everything about yourself. So tip number one was know thyself, which was ultimately make your list of values around your life. If you're trying to make a more specific decision, which job should I choose? Then you're going to change the language of the question just slightly. And instead of asking what's important to me about my life, you're going to say what's important to me about my career. And you're going to make your list of values around career. And you'll be able to see like if you have on there flexibility and one job offers flexibility and the other doesn't, you'll just know in which order your values are and which things you should prioritize. Like for me, being 18 years old, I prioritized ice skating, but that was like my number 10 or 11 value when really I should have been prioritizing being closer to home, being closer to my family. So once you have your list of values, you are then going to tip number two, ask yourself, Which decision is most in alignment with my list of values? Which decision is most in alignment with my list of values? And you can clearly see, oh, going to college nine hours away from my family is probably not going to be good for me. I'm probably going to struggle with some mental health stuff being that far away from my family because family is my number two value. Or if you have on there autonomy and growth and surfing and the Greek life, then maybe going to San Diego State University is the best decision for you. But you're going to write out for tip number two, how making one decision is going to impact your values and how making the other decision is going to impact your values. Remember, your values are unconscious. So it's not what you think should be important to you. It's what actually unconsciously is more important to you. And this is where people get themselves tripped up over making a decision. So they're like, well, I should value the job that is going to give me more money. Well, if money is your number 10 value, then no, you're not going to pick the job just because it's going to give you more money. You're going to be conflicted because you're going to feel like maybe I should choose that job. It seems like the logical thing to do, but it doesn't feel right. Well, it doesn't feel right because All of your unconscious values are different and are preferring the other job. And this is where we create for ourselves overthinking and stress. There is a caveat here, which I'll make tip number three. If you are looking at your list of values and you want something to be up higher on the list, that's not. Don't just pick the decision that comes with that value that you think you should have. Instead, seek out an master NLP certified coach who can install that value up higher for you. Let me give you a concrete example of what I'm talking about. Let's say that job, for example, the one that's giving more money. 
and you're like, theoretically, money should be more important to me, but for whatever reason, my unconscious mind put it at 10. But I really feel like I quote unquote should take the job that has more money. If you just do that without moving your values around, you are going to be miserable if your other values are not being met. That's just the way it is. You will be miserable if your other values aren't met. So if you're going to make that decision, you first need to set up an appointment with a master NLP coach and say, please move money up and move flexibility down because I'm going to take this job and I would like to be happy there. And an NLP coach will say, sure, let me just make sure that that's ecological and that we're ready to do that. And and then I'd be happy to make those adjustments for you. So tip number three is if you have to move some values around for whatever reason, meet with a master NLP coach. Tip number four, I know you probably were expecting this tip to be tip number one, but it's tip number four. And it's actually comes from Ben Franklin. Did you know that? Did you know that Ben Franklin was the creator of the good old pros and cons list? Ben Franklin and I give different advice about how to do this. In Ben Franklin's version of the pros and cons list, what you would do is you would make a list of pros for the decision of, okay, this is if I were to make X decision, here's my list of pros. And if I were to make the opposite decision, here's my list of pros. And then, okay, if I were to make decision X, here's my list of cons. If I were to make the opposite decision, here's my list of cons. So you'd have two pros and cons lists. Then starting with list X, you would go down the list and for each pro, you would sign a positive number. Maybe let's say your scale is from one to five, where one is like, okay, this is a good pro. I'm going to weight it now at number one. And this is a super amazing pro. I'm going to weight it at five. So everything kind of gets a valued scaled number. And conversely, each of your cons would be weighted negative one to negative five. You would do this for both list X and the opposite choice. And then you would pick the number that was the highest. So you have a formula for laying out which would be quote unquote the better decision based on the value that you gave each pro and each con. It's not a bad idea actually, but I didn't want this to be the first thing because this is all conscious mind. You're making all of these decisions consciously And your values are really telling of what's important to you unconsciously. So even though you might think consciously, but money is more important, that doesn't mean that you're going to be happy if you make more money, if unconsciously you're out of alignment. So you need to really figure out what is important to you unconsciously first by doing the values assessment and then looking at, does this choice get me closer to these values or further away. Then after that, yes, my advice to you is to then make a pros and cons list. However, I am going to add something that's a little bit NLP flair to what Ben Franklin had already suggested. Instead of giving things a number of three or five or one, instead you're going to give each item a T or an A. A T is, this is motivating my toward motivation. Remember, toward motivation are things that we are motivated by because we have them already, we love them, we value them, they bring us pleasure and positivity. 
Example, my family is a toward motivator for me. I have a very good relationship with my family. Um, There's nothing there that's conflict or need to work through or trauma. It's love. It's safety. It's security. It's friendship. It's relational. So because that is toward for me and there's no pain there, I'm going to put T for my list of reasons why I would choose a college closer to home, for example. Ice skating. Ice skating is a toward for me. I love it. It's fun. I don't have any negative thoughts or emotions about my relationship with ice skating. So that would be a toward. Let me give you an example of an away from motivation, which would be getting the A. Let's see. What if let's do away from motivation for staying at college close to home. So if that sounded like I'm afraid to go far away from home because I'm afraid of standing on my own two feet. Afraid is a negative emotion. So that is an away from motivation because I'm wanting to stay close to home in order to avoid or stay away from a pain point. So that's going to get an A. Conversely, let's say I wanted to go far away from college to get away from my family or get away from my boyfriend or get away from a certain situation, then I would say, okay, I'm wanting to get away from this specific environment. So because that's the motivator, I'm going to put an A for away from motivation. Notice both positive pleasure points and pain points are completely motivating. So this is just a way to measure what's motivating me more, pleasure or pain. And this can be really insightful if I'm looking at my pros and cons list and I see that one list in particular has a lot more toward motivation and the other list has a lot more away from motivation, more than likely I'm going to be happier if I choose the toward motivated list. Why is this? Well, if we do not have a clear toward and we only know what we want to get away from. Okay, let me give you an example of this. Let's say I don't like my job, for example, and I have a list of things that I don't like about it. And maybe that list of things includes my boss is rude, he doesn't have good communication skills, or he's overbearing, or he doesn't trust me whatever, for whatever reason, my boss is an issue for me. Maybe my schedule is an issue for me. My pay is an issue for me. The benefits here are an issue for me, etc. So I know that I am unhappy. Maybe there's some discord in my relationships at work. And I know I just want to get away. Well, chances are, if I don't have a clear picture of what I do want When another job comes along, I'm going to be so excited to get away from this job that I'm going to take it without really thinking about, is this the salary that I want? Does this have the benefits I'm looking for? Does this have the staff culture that I want to be a part of? What is the boss like? If I have a clear picture of what I'm looking for, that's when I can quote unquote manifest it into my life. Manifesting something into my life is basically meaning I know what I'm looking for and I'm waiting for it to show up. And when it does show up, I say, thank you. This is what I have been looking for. If I don't know what I'm looking for and I'm always just trying to escape, 
or get away from or get out of this relationship and get into a new one. I'm going to create a cycle where I'm recreating my unhappy over and over and over because I don't know what I want. And I may jump from the frying pan into the fire. So we don't want to do that. So in order to avoid that, we're going to take an inventory of our pros and cons list and we're going to see what's motivating me here, pain or pleasure. If it's pain, it gets an A for an away from. If it's pleasure, it gets a T for toward. If one of my lists is very heavy on away from, on pain points, then I need to reevaluate, do I have clear wants and needs? Do I have a clear picture? Do I have a clear vision that is going to drive me forward? If I do, then it may not matter to me that I'm heavily motivated by pain. If you don't have clear vision and a clear picture of what you want, I'm going to recommend that you start with that before you do the next step in making a decision. All right, my next tip of advice for you is to know how you make decisions based on something called your representational convincer system. I know, that's a big phrase. But essentially, your representational convincer system is how you know or feel or recognize that you've made the right choice. There are six different options when it comes to your representational convincer system. So we can break the population up into these six different types of people who will recognize when they have made the right decision using the following system. And as I'm saying some of this, you're going to be like, oh yeah, there's a word for that. Like, that's crazy. That's so simple. Yet knowing yourself, again, this comes back to knowing yourself, knowing how you're convinced of a decision is sometimes half the battle. Just recognizing, oh yeah, I made a decision, I trust myself, because it checks the box that I need it to check. Now I'm going to lay out the six options for your representational convincer system, and just know that we're looking for the one you do first and most often. So you might resonate with more than one, you're looking for the one that applies the most. Okay, option A is... I get a gut feeling. When I make a decision, I feel it. I just have a sort of gut feeling, a sensation in my body that this is a good decision for me. This is the best decision for me. I feel it. Some of you are like, oh yeah, that is me. And others of you are like, huh? I have never understood people that say that they feel it when they've made a decision. that's fine. You don't have to understand it because that's not your representational convincer system. Perhaps you're B. And option B is, I just know it. I have a knowing and when I think about the decision I have made, it makes logical sense to me. Okay, so you are a knower. You know when you have made the right decision. You don't necessarily have a feeling about it. You just know. Option C is... I heard what I needed to hear to be convinced. I heard what I needed to hear to be convinced. So this person is often someone who, when they go shopping, they will seek out the salesperson for their advice, or they want to bring a friend with them to just have their friend tell them, ooh, that looks good on you. I like that color on you. They have an auditory check. 
and they need that auditory check checked in order to recognize that the decision is made, they are convinced, they hear about it. These are the people that go and look up testimonial videos so that they can hear what other people are saying. Um, when they hear someone recommend, for example, another coach or they hear someone recommend a personal trainer, they're like, I heard it, I'm convinced. Option D is I read what I needed to read to be convinced. Now, readers are the people that go and read all the testimonials that they can get their hands on. So before they buy any product, they're going to read everything about the product that they can, and then they're going to go read all of the reviews that have been left in writing. When selecting a college, they might collect all of the pamphlets and read through all of them and read all of the course options, read about the professors, read about student experiences. They just want to read everything they can get their hands on and then they'll make a decision from there. Okay, option E is I saw what I needed to see to be convinced. Now, at first you might be thinking, how is this different than reading? Because this is the person that has a visual understanding of what they're looking for. And once they see it, they know. So this is the type of person that has love at first sight. They know what they're looking for. They see it. They saw it. They're in. They're committed. These are people that when selecting a college, they want to go look at the campus. They want to go see it in person and then they will see what they need to see in order to make a decision. What letter am I on? Letter F? Letter F is action. These are the people that do something, take some sort of action, and in doing the action, they're convinced. I'll give you an example of this. Do you wanna join my book club? And they're like, I don't know, let me come to one first. (laughs) then I will tell you if I want to be a part of this club or not. So these people, they will do actions, take actions, and then decide. So when selecting a college, they might go sit in on a course, actually do the thing, participate, be a student for a day, and then decide after taking the action, yep, that was the best, or nope, this isn't for me. If you're listening along, hopefully one of these jumped out at you and you're like, oh, yes, I understand myself. If you're still a little fuzzy, I'm going to give you a question that you can participate in right now, follow along, answer the question, and then you'll know what is your representational convincer. Okay, so the question I like to ask clients when I sit down and I'm trying to figure out their convincer is, hey, how do you know when a coworker is good at her job. How do you know when a coworker is good at his job? And I just wait and I see what comes out of their mouth next because they're either going to tell me a story about seeing this coworker in action, hearing about that they're doing a good job, so hearing about it from someone else. They did a project with this person, so they sat down, they took action of some kind with this other person. Or maybe they read about it. Like, for example, their coworker made the newsletter for Employee of the Month, and then they read about it, and now they're convinced that this person is a good coworker. Or they just have a gut feeling. I just feel like this person 
is a good worker. I get a good feeling from them. Or I just know. I can't explain it. It's logical to me. I just know. So how do you know when a coworker is good at his or her job? How do you know? And once you can recognize in yourself how you're convinced, then that will help you when you apply it to decision making. So if you're trying to make a decision and you're still unclear, figure out how to convince yourself. Do you need to go check out the campus in person and see it? Do you need to sit in on a class and take action? Do you need to read all the reviews online and read about it? Take the inspired action step that's going to help you make a decision. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't give you one final tip for making a decision. Because since we just covered convincer representation, I want to go over something with you that is called convincer demonstration. And I know it sounds really similar, but it's actually really cool to know about yourself. And once you know your convincer demonstration, you'll have more grace for yourself if you're feeling a little bit unclear on a decision yet. You'll be like, oh, I understand. It's just because my convincer demonstration factor hasn't been met yet. So let me explain what this is, and then you'll know how you can be convinced that you made the right decision. This time, I'm going to give you the question first. Then I'm going to break down the definition of convincer demonstration. The question is, how often does a coworker need to demonstrate competence to you before you are convinced of their competence? How often does a coworker need to demonstrate competence to you before you are convinced of their competence? Now fill in the blank. How many times? Whatever number came up for you is how many times you need to be convinced of something before you make a decision. I'm going to put it in context for you. Let's pick a number. Let's say you said three times. If I see a coworker demonstrating competence three times, then I know they're competent. Okay, that number is not arbitrary. It's actually unique to you. So let's say, for example, you want to buy a home and you have selected a home and you're really excited about this home. How many times do you need to visit the home and walk around and look at it before you make your decision? Three, whatever number came up for you in the fill in the blank question is how many times it takes you until you're convinced. So go back one to the convincer representation. It's like, how do you know? You see it, you do it, you hear it, you read it, you see it. Then the next question is how many times do you do that? How many times do you need to sit in on a class before you're convinced? Three or six or whatever number came up for you. Now, if you got a number that is say, always, the coworker always needs to demonstrate competence to me and the convincing is ongoing, <laughs> then you have something called a consistent convincer demonstration, which means you just need to constantly, consistently be convinced of your decision. Um, when I have clients like this, it does not bother me at all. These are the clients that will say, what are we going to do next? Are we still on track? Are we still following the plan? What are we going to do next month? Because they just want to be sure that their investment is a good decision. And I don't take it personally. It's not personal. It's that their convincer factor is ongoing. It's 
never going to be met. It's never going to be filled. I must constantly be demonstrating competence to them. And that's fine. That's not an issue for me because I'm a competent coach. So I'm going to continue to demonstrate competence to them. By the way, these people with consistent convince or demonstration, meaning they always need to be convinced, these people make great managers because they will continue to check on their people, check in on their people, check in on their people, make sure everybody's doing their job well. Someone who is, let's say, oh, one time, and by the way, that's me, oh, one time, and then I'm convinced, these people do not make good managers because they kind of just automatically, unconsciously trust that everybody is competent and everybody's getting their work done and everybody's doing what they should be doing. And that's kind of a nice rosy way to see the world, but you might not be like the best manager unless you're aware that you need to overcompensate for this. Going back to the decision about the house, I bought my house sight unseen uh, because I was convinced by the pictures I saw online. Like that was good enough for me. And I have what's called an automatic convincer factor. I see it once, I hear about it once, I'm good. I don't need anything else. This is the decision for me. It's really easy to sell me products and programs because I'm automatically convinced. If I'm convinced, if I'm convinced, I'm in. Like, you don't need to worry about me. I will pull out my credit card myself. I will hand it over. It's a non-issue. If I'm not convinced, I'll just, it's fine. I'll just walk away. But I don't need to be continually convinced that this is a good decision. I just know. And if that's you, you have what's called an automatic convincer factor. Or you're consistent, or you have any specific number ranging from one to, I would say 10. I don't, I've never met anybody that has higher than 10 unless I would consider them consistent. Now, are you ready to make a decision? I really hope so. I hope you have found today so, so valuable and you are ready to take action. Let's just review all the things that you learned that you're going to go put into place right now to make a decision. Number one, know thyself. Create a list of values and put them in order. Tip number two, you're going to look at your values and ask which decision is most in alignment with these values. Number three, you're going to, if needed, hire a master certified NLP coach to move values around based on what's going to benefit you moving forward. Tip number four, create a pros and cons list. Give every item on your pros and cons list a number. Tip number five, give every item on your pros and cons list an A if it's moving away from pain or a T if it's moving toward pleasure and evaluate which one is motivating you more. Make sure you have a clear picture of what you want. Tip number six, know your representational convincer system. And tip number seven, know your demonstration convincer system. How many times do you need to be convinced before you know that this is the best decision for you? If you are really going to use these tips, I would love to hear about it. Could you shoot me an email at coachrachelbailey at gmail.com and just fill me in on what decision you're making in your life right now and how you're gonna use these tips or whether or not you're gonna use them. I would just love to hear from you and learn how is this podcast impacting your life. I love when I get emails like that. It makes my day. It makes my week, honestly. 
If email's not your jam, then go ahead and just leave me a review. Leave me a five-star review and let me know what you love about this podcast or if you have any feedback. that Maybe you want me to take this show in a different direction or if you have suggestions for some content that you'd love to hear about, let me know in a review or at that email address, coachrachelbailey at gmail.com. I hope you have a fantastic day. Remember, life is a journey. You're in the driver's seat. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.